You're listening to The First Gen Coach. I'm your host, Carla Santamaria, a civic engagement professional turned mindset and career coach. As a first-gen immigrant, college grad, and corporate professional, I have experienced firsthand the many struggles and challenges that first-gen professional Latinas and women of color often face when navigating unfamiliar and unfriendly corporate environments. In this podcast, I will share insights for career success and will feature inspiring and successful first-gen women to share their journey and their stories. If you're ready to tap into a growing community of first-gen professionals, you've come to the right place. Hello, first-gen friends. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is about three beliefs that you can adopt to help you expedite your career pivot into the private sector. Now, as you know, I'm a career and mindset coach, so mindset is definitely something that I not just incorporate, but it kind of serves as the foundation for my coaching philosophy and coaching practice and coaching programs. I believe that mindset and strategy together go hand in hand. And along with that mindset is the beliefs that we hold as truths. With that being said, today I'm going to be focusing on three beliefs you can adopt to expedite your career pivot into the private sector. Now, before I get into those three beliefs, I want to talk a little bit about why it is so important to really examine our beliefs and to understand the power that they have. Because the beliefs that you have profoundly affect your actions and in turn, they affect your results. Now, you might be thinking like, well, is that a self-fulfilling prophecy? You know, or maybe you've potentially heard of things like, the Pygmalion effect or the Rosenthal effect. And if you haven't, that is okay. I want to talk briefly about that because it provides a really clear illustration of how our beliefs and our expectations affect the results that we get. The Rosenthal effect is named after Robert Rosenthal, who did research on the the experiment expectations and the results. So He is most known for this research around lab rats. So there were two groups of lab lab rats. They were completely the same. The only difference is that he went in and he named one group or labeled them one group as smart and then the other group as stupid. And so then when the researchers came and they were studying the effects of, of learning on the rats, the group that had been labeled, the group of rats that had been labeled as smart was completely outperforming the group of rats that had been labeled as stupid. Even though, remember, there was actually no different characteristics in the rats. The only difference is the expectations that the researchers had. So that means that the researchers unconsciously or subconsciously influence the performance of the rats in order to fit their expected results. So Rosenthal talks about how he had a really hard time getting this published because, you know, getting this research published because people just didn't believe him. But what he was able to say is that people subconsciously 
alter their actions. You know, there this micro action to take. Maybe they were standing a bit farther away from the test result. I mean, from the test rats, or maybe they were not, um, or maybe they were being harsher with handling, or all these different actions that led to the rats that had been labeled as smart to perform better than the rats that had been labeled as stupid. And this is something that has a lot of strong applications to researchers and, I mean, I'm sorry, to teachers and students in the classroom. So the expectations of a teacher or of a coach really have a strong impact on the performance of the students. You may have heard of this be called the Pygmalion effect or maybe like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But the reason that I bring it up here when I talk about beliefs is that your beliefs affects your expectations. Your beliefs affect how you act, how you show up in interviews, how you show up in job applications, how you show up for, you know, like different tasks that can lead to a promotion. If you believe that you are stuck in a job where you are unhappy, you're going to subconsciously take actions that lead to you being stuck in a job that makes you unhappy. That is one example. You can look up lots of different information on the science behind the power of beliefs. I mean, you can even look up like the placebo effect, how if you believe a medicine is going to work, it's going to work. And there is so much to back up the scientific power of belief. But even if you are not there yet or you don't feel like researching it, I just want to invite you to be open. Be open to the power of beliefs having a significant impact in the results that you want. All right. I mean, I'm sure that many of you have heard uh, or have seen that meme that said, oh, you believed in Santa Claus for eight years. You can believe in yourself for the next 30 minutes. And you know what? That's true. Like, Think about suspended disbelief. Think about how when you go watch a movie or when you're reading, you know, like you're watching a show or you're reading a fantasy novel, you suspend your disbelief. You're willing to say like, well, that's not actually how it would happen in reality, but I'm going to suspend this disbelief for the sake of enjoyment. Well, I'm going to invite you, if you're not on board yet with the power of mindset, with the power of belief, to just be open to it. Be open and just see what happens. Okay. There is a quote that I heard. Uh, I first heard it from Marie Forleo in her book, Everything is Figureoutable. And I say heard instead of read because I listen to audiobooks. So whenever I'm like, oh, I was listening to the book, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, but that's where I first saw the quote. And she says, if you argue for your limiting beliefs, you get to keep them. I don't know if the quote was originally attributed to her or to somebody else. But remember this as I talk about the three beliefs that you can adopt to help you in your career transition. All right. So if you're going to sit there and argue in behalf of your limited beliefs, that's fine. Enjoy keeping them. But if you are open, even if you're not fully sold on the power of beliefs and the power of mindset, but you are just open to beliefs being an important part, then this is the episode for you. The first belief I want to talk about is believing that you can help your community outside of a social services job. You can even write this as an affirmation. I can best help my community outside of a social services job, or just, you know, let that be a belief that you hold or that you are open to holding. And what do I mean by this? 
you can't give from an empty cup. I talk, um, I did a, a podcast episode recently on why women of color should leave the nonprofit sector. And it basically comes down to this. There, this entire industry and these social services industries have been built on this expectation that if you work in that industry, you're supposed to sacrifice your entire life, your entire physical and mental health and well-being on behalf of the job and the people that you are serving. And if you're in that job, if you're in this sector, nonprofit, education, government, it's probably because you deeply want to help people. And that is a really important value to you. You know, like so many of my clients tell me, like, it's really important that work for a mission-driven organization. And I completely understand where that is coming from. But I want to invite you to think about the impact that you can have on your community outside of a social services job. If your job is demanding that you're working like 60 hours a week and, and you know, like you're having all these potential health effects from not really prioritizing your mental health, is that really you showing up your best for the people that you want to serve? It's really not. I mean, the you can hear or think of the oxygen mask analogy. When you're in an airplane, they tell you to put your own oxygen mask first, and then you can help somebody else with theirs. In social services roles and in social in like the entire industry, basically, or even thinking of like you know, community serving organizations, being like a social worker, being a teacher, you know, like all of these types of roles pretty much demand that you put everybody else but you first. And that's just not sustainable. You know, there are plenty of jobs where you can help people and you can take care of yourself. There are plenty of jobs where you can help people and that can pay you well. So many of my clients have told me, oh, I want a higher paying job because I want to have kids or I want to be able to afford kids or I want to be able to spend time with my kids. Like if your job is not helping you meet your personal goals, then what is it helping you do? Okay. And now to be clear, you will need to set boundaries in a role in corporate America, but that is so much easier when you're in an industry that values work-life balance in an industry, in a role, in a team. You know, when you are not also like thinking like, oh my God, if I don't stay here late, you know, this child is not going to get into college. Or if I don't stay here late, this application is not going to be processed. And this person is, you know, going to have all these dire consequences that so many times we are led to believe that if we don't do the job of two or three people in the nonprofit sector, that everybody is going to suffer these dire consequences. And I want to remind you that people are not helpless. Okay. Like you prioritizing yourself, your mental health, your well-being, your family, it does not take away from somebody else's ability to be resourceful. Again, to reiterate, you can best help your community outside of a social services job. And yes, you will need to set boundaries in corporate America. And yes, you will need to ensure that you are putting yourself first and work on your mental health and well-being. But again, it's going to be so much easier. The second belief I want you to really adopt is I know plenty of people in corporate roles. And if this doesn't necessarily ring true right now, you can make this into a reality. At the beginning of 2022, so a little bit more than a year ago, I decided, oh, I want to work in tech. I didn't know a single person in tech. I actually specific, and somebody said, and I was talking to someone, they were like, oh, well, what kind of company do you want to work for? 
And I was like, well, Fang, you know, like the Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, like that, that acronym. Because I literally didn't even know like where to begin. Like I was like, oh, like when I thought of tech companies, I thought of those five companies and that's it. And I didn't know a single person in any of those roles. So I was like, hmm, you know, because I used to have this belief and a lot of my clients have this belief of like, oh, I don't know anyone in the in the private sector or everyone that I know is in in the nonprofit world or in higher ed or in education. And so I just want to invite you to pause for a minute and ask yourself, is that really, really true? And don't just think of the, you know, the 10 people that you talk to on a daily or a weekly basis, or don't just think of your coworkers or your colleagues or people in your current role or your previous role or people that you met at like a work event. No, like pause and think about your extended network. All right. Think about the people you went to college with. Think about friends of friends. Think about people in symposiums or leadership development opportunities that you've attended, you have a much more extensive network than you realize. And it is highly unlikely that everyone that you know, or that it's highly unlikely that you don't know anyone in the corporate sector. I mean, actually, even a few episodes ago, my guest Alejandra said, hey, if you want to transition from nonprofit into private sector, hit me up. And so she shared her LinkedIn. So you can even reach out to her. So even in the unlikely event that everyone in your in your network actually is in the nonprofit sector, it is extremely unlikely that everyone in your extended network is going to be in the nonprofit education, social services role. So tell yourself, I know plenty of people in corporate roles, and that is one way in which you can start to make that true. All right. Your beliefs come before your results. So let me, let me say that another way. Your results come from your beliefs, all right? Your results come from your beliefs, not the other way around. The third belief that I want you to really internalize and that is going to help you in your career transition is understanding that your experience in the public sector is an asset to corporate America. Your experience in the public, nonprofit, education, social services sector, they make you an asset to corporate America. Okay, there are so many roles that need liaisons, that need folks that have this skill set and background and understanding that if you would, you can come in and fill those roles and you would be head and shoulders above everybody else in the room. And also... When you come in with a different perspective rather than someone that's spent their entire career in corporate America, because you have a different perspective, you can look at problems in a different way and offer solutions that are more innovative and that take, you know, like that are faster to implement and that create real tangible results. So those are already two ways in which your experience in the public sector makes you an asset. The last one is to just look at all your transferable skill sets. There's like program management, research and evaluation, cultural cultural competence, excuse me, and austerity, being resourceful, delivering projects with with limited resources, you know, like creativity in the face of a mountain of regulation and red tape. All of those things lead to innovation. All of those things lead to better teams, more collaborative teams with better 
results, all right? And those are all skills that you can bring in, all right? So no, so please understand that your experience in the public sector makes you an asset to corporate America. And now, I mean, it makes you an asset to any any team. Let's, let's realize, like your experience makes you an asset to any team, but specifically your experience outside of, you know, like a traditional corporate role makes you an asset. So when you're thinking of transitioning careers, don't think of, oh, I don't have experience, but really start listing the ways in which your experience is transferable and applicable and is actually an asset that adds to the unique value that you can bring to the team. Now, if you are ready to pivot from your current role into a role in corporate America, then I want you I want to invite you to my free masterclass that is coming up in a couple of weeks on Thursday, January 26. So if one of your goals for 2023 is to get a new higher paying job, then you need to come to this masterclass. All right? It is called Fast Track to Six Figures because I guarantee you that the skills that you have in your current role are paid significantly higher in the private sector. So you can learn why now is a great time to pivot into the private sector. You know, there's news of layoffs, yes, and that is a reality. And also, there are literally hundreds of thousands of active job postings because companies are hiring. They need people with your skill set. So come to my pastor class, learn why now is a great time to pivot and learn the roadmap for a successful career pivot. I will also be sharing the strategies that I used to double my salary in less than 12 months. I mean, it was incredible and I am so excited to tell you that story. So please come to my masterclass. The link is on my bio or you can go to thefirstgencoach.com slash resume. All right. So thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, if you took anything away from this episode, let me know when you're listening on Spotify, share with your story and tag me at Carla, the first gen coach, or if you're listening on Apple, go ahead and rate and review. It would really, really help the show grow. And once again, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you on Thursday, January 26th. Bye-bye.